Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. This week's episode is brought to you by MB Ranch King. MB Ranch King hunting blinds and feeders are built to last right here in the USA. With durability and convenience in mind, MB Ranch King's maintenance-free blinds are built and constructed with high-grade steel and come in a variety of sizes to meet any hunter's needs. We also offer high-quality, easy-to-use corn and protein feeders that can be filled with both feet on the ground. Call Kevin today for more information or get a quote at 205-807-2937. MB Ranch King. Built in the pursuit of perfection. And brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Are you frustrated by your typical hunting and fishing magazines? Are you tired of reading content meant for guys up north or in the Midwest? Don't get left behind following the guidance of guys who don't hunt and fish in your home state. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors Magazine subscription and become a better Southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors Magazine can be found at your local Barnes & Nobles, Books a Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rule King, Bass Pro Shops, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. What's up, guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. Hope everybody is having a great week, and uh, man, I'm going to tell you what I'm happy about. I'm happy about a little rain, I'm happy about some clouds, and I'm happy about it being in the 80s instead of the 90s. And uh, actually getting in some low 80s, and, and it fires me up. It uh, it definitely feels a little bit better out there. And uh, I know that all our fishermen uh, across the state are, are ready for some cool weather. It's, it's, it's rough out there, man, fishing up in the day uh, with that sun beating down on you. But one thing we know, man, it is fall is right around the corner. This time of year fires me up, man, and I know it's going to fire our fishermen up too but hey this first guest of the day segment one we've been trying to hook up and get together on this thing and and it's somebody that i've just really really wanted on the show i know y'all are going to enjoy it most everybody is already probably familiar with clay but uh if you're not you're gonna be glad you joined this segment clay dyer what's going on my friend hey buddy how you doing man it's uh It'd be easy for me to tell you what, what wasn't going on and tell you what is going on. <laughs> there ain't a whole lot of fishing man. going on, unfortunately, but, hey, life is good, and, uh, man, we're blessed, and uh, I appreciate you having me on the show, man. We, we've been trying to get, get together connected for a month. <laughs> I know it. Hey, but you got a lot of people pulling you in a lot of directions right now, man. You're doing a lot of speaking. Uh, I know you've been at several churches lately, at several events lately. Man, you're spreading the good word out there, and that's a lot more important than being on on the podcast. So, thank you for what you do there. Oh, buddy, yeah, it's my honor, bud. I've been, uh, we have been, man. We've been, uh, you know, uh, ministry is it's kind of like when you're bailing hay or cutting hay. When it's right, you got to get it, you know. And and uh, we've been, uh, you know, this world's a tough place we live in, man. And and you know, uh, I feel blessed that that God called me to do what I do, and. Uh, you know, being uh, being full time ministry and on the Bassmaster Tour, and uh, you know, we've just been uh, we've had a lot of opportunity, and we've been trying to put our foot on the gas pedal to to capitalize, you know, every one of them, and uh, that's just that you know we as 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 rigorous as it gets, man, we wouldn't have it any other way. You know, we love what we do, and and uh, I've always said when you love what you do, you don't 
technically work a day in your life. You know, we love what we do. Man, amen to that, brother. Amen to that. Well, well, Clay, just in case we have listeners that may not be familiar with you yes, and, and what you do. I mean, like you said, you're, you're, you're on the bass tour. Uh, you do tons of public speaking. You've got an incredible story, Clay, and, and a very inspirational story. And so just for, you, you know, you don't have to go into to everything, but man, give us a quick rundown. The people that may not know you just, just talk about your journey a little bit. Absolutely, buddy. I'll, I've been, uh, you know, I was born with, um, no legs past the hips and a half a right arm. And, uh, you know, my, my parents had a clean, uh, you know, clean lifestyle. And, uh, so it wasn't a medical, you know, reason of drugs or alcohol. It was an act of God that I was born what the world wants to perceive as handicapped or disabled, but I don't know what those two words are. They, they don't exist in my vocabulary. <laughs> and, uh, you know, God Amen. has given me the strength every day to, um, to fight through adversity and obstacles. And, uh, you know, when I say those two words don't exist in my vocabulary, I don't mean that in any hearty way. It's, uh, but, you know, it's uh, it's all about you're only as handicapped or disabled as you think you are, you know, and as you allow yourself to be. And, but, um, you know, I've always been real active in sports my whole life and been a big-time outdoorsman. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't going to let, you know, what, uh, what a lot of people would say would be a curse, but actually is a blessing. Um, I wasn't going to let my circumstances, being born physically the way I was, uh, I wasn't going to let that determine my, you know, my career or my, uh, you know, my passion. Uh, while the, while other sports leagues or, you know, NFL, NBA, MLB, while they might not draft me, you know, I felt like early on at fishing was something I could take to the top level. And, you know, we just put our big boy britches on, put our nose to the grindstone and dove in head first and, you know, thank God that was uh, what his will was for my life and he is currently. And, uh, man, we just, you know, put our nose to the grindstone and getting after it. And, you know, very blessed. I have a, you know, beautiful family, beautiful wife. My wife, Kim, we've been married uh, November the 9th. It'll be nine years. i got four precious grandchildren, uh, three granddaughters and a grandson. And so, you know, when I am, uh, when we are home, um, you know, we're, we're constantly, we, we don't have very many quote-unquote down-off days. It's... Uh, you know, our off days or our, you know, our, our, you know, spending time with our grandkids and family is, you know, we try to do that as much as we can, you know, when we got business taken care of at home. But, you know, thank God we get out of our office in our house uh, as far as our ministry office. And then, you know, I've, of course, got my, my boat garage where I run all my fishing out of. And, but, uh, you know, it's just, you know, I, man, I, I get to live my dream, dude, you know, getting to fish the Bassmaster yeah. Opens, uh, trying to qualify for the elites and the FLW organization from 2003 to 2010. And, uh, you know, had a phenomenal ride over there. Those, uh, you know, I'll never forget what Bill Taylor and uh, Chris Jones and, you know, Miss Kathy Fennell and all that, that crew uh, helped me get my career going. And, uh, but, you know, uh, nothing against them, but is, uh, you know, when I grew up as a kid coming off of church, watching uh, TNN and Bob Cobb and the Bassmasters, and, uh, you know, watching the likes of Bill Dance and Hank Parker and all those. And, uh, yep. <laughs> you know, to me, as it says in the Bible, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, 
that's me and my house. We're BASS. And, uh, you know, in my opinion, the Bass Master Classic is the Super Bowl of bass fishing. And so that's why we're with bass. And, uh, you know, that's where my allegiance will always be. Well, hey, man, that's uh, that's good that you've got that allegiance. And I'm, I'm the same way, man. It's it's hard growing up watching TNT, like you were saying, and, and uh, watching bass as a kid growing up and a young man and man and just uh, admiring those guys and what they do. And it's a great organization. That's for sure. And, and Clay, you've got a, you, man, you, you have got an incredible platform and, and it wasn't given to you. You went out and you earned it. And, and that's what I love, man. Nothing, nothing that you had was given. You had to go out and take it and, and work hard for it. And man, I'd just like to know, you know, you're, you're, you're sitting there as a young man, you're very active. You love the outdoors. You love sports. At what point did you look at fishing and go, okay, I can do this. I mean, it was your dad. I'm inspirational in that. And then, you know, how long did it take you to where you were like, okay, I Clay, I, I think about my great grandfather, North Louisiana had his, had his arm chopped right below his shoulder not far below his shoulder, had it chopped off in a cotton gin mm. uh, as a fairly young man with a bunch of kids. Let me tell you, that guy, he could tie a, a bait on, worm, you know, <laughs> put worm on a hook, just as faster than most anybody else could and, right. and just tear the crappie up. But <laughs> you, you learn, right? Oh, you you do. You know, it. that's one thing, you know, I've got to say. I was blessed with great parents and grandparents and uh you know, mine were one of those, um, you know, my dad was, uh, he loved fishing growing up, but, you know, he was mostly catfishing on the river and he was a big time golfer. And my grandfather on my mother's side was, you know, he was a big time hunter and, and a fisherman. And, uh, you know, it, my, my dad, my mom and my grandparents, you know, I had to say, uh, my dad and mom will tell you, you know, that, you know, daddy will tell you, even though he wasn't, you know, a huge bass fisherman, uh, when I got started bass fishing, we learned it together. You know, we, we fished team tournaments a lot and the local federated clubs together. And your know, daddy and mama would tell you, you know, that um, that they, you know, they were going to make sure that they did everything within their power, uh, you know, to see that I was able to get going on tour. And uh, just for the fact that they spent the time, you know, daddy took the time for me and him to always go when I did drive. And he always drive me to the lake, get me in the boat to the lake and, you know, turn me loose. And, uh, you know, I, I started realizing at about probably 12 or 13 is when it really, I mean, I, I wanted to do it way before that, but I started realizing about 12 or 13 of, you know, Hey, um, we can do this. And then the only person can stop us is, is me. So I started, you know, really reaching out and researching, figuring out what I had to do to get started. And I'll never forget in 96, when I first fished my first uh, Bass Federation event, you know, because I was under 18 as a minor, uh, my parents had to sign a waiver of release. And I'll never forget Al Redding. He was the president of the Alabama Bass Federation at the time. Uh, and Al, bless his heart, is uh, he's gone home to be with the Lord since then. But Al took me under his wing. And I'll never forget him making a phone call to, um, and, you know, this was back before Bass, uh, the organization, uh, really knew me. And he told me he was going to let me fish the Federation. And they said, well, he can fish for a federation, but if he qualifies for the Classic, you know, we're not going to let him fish because he's too handicapped. And this was back before they knew it, you know, knew me. And nothing against Ray Scott or Dewey Kendrick, which at the time, you know, Dewey was the tournament director. He was what, 
you know, uh, Trip Weldon was that just retired, and now Chris Pose. But, um, you know, he he didn't know me. He just knew what he saw. And I'll never forget, I was sitting there beside Al Redding when Al made this statement. He said, well, he said, well I'll tell you this. He said, um, if Clay makes the classic like he is, he said, y'all are going to have a heck of a fight on your hands because I'm, I'm going to back him 100%. And that right there told me, you know, okay, outside of my family, this tournament director believes and he sees my abilities and he believes in me. And, you know, from that point on, I cannot say enough thanks to not only the Bath South um, that I've gotten to know and became family with, you know, um, all of our tournament directors and all that. And now, you know, they don't look at me as handicapped. You know, they look at me as as respectful and one of the, you know, thankfully one of the respected pros that's committed, dedicated, and ready to get after it. And, uh, you know, I can't say enough thanks to them and all my sponsors that have believed in me over the years and, you know, even when I've had terrible years as far as my competition stats, you know, they've all believed in me and stood behind me. And and uh, even when I finished so far down the list, they run out of ink before they get to my name. You know, they, they've never <laughs> ever, ever given up on me, and that's more than I could ever ask for. Well, Clay, you said something there that was that was very impactful and, and, and very profound and, and about what you shared that, that they told you is, is that – they saw you for you and not what they saw. Right. 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 And what a message that is. Uh, and I think we all maybe at times in our life fall short of that. Right. And so to hear you put that into those words like that and, 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 you know, man, and, and have a guy like that, that, that looked at you and went, Hey, here's a guy that can fish. And that's all I care about. Right. You know, he can catch fish and, he can make it here, uh, instead of just looking and going, Oh, you know, he's got, he's got too much against him. Right. And you know, and just judging you for what they saw. That's, that's profound, man. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. And you know, it's like I tell folks now, um, I know when I first started trying to do this back when I was, you know, I mean, I was fishing the, the, the tour, you know, the, the double A and triple A levels. And then when I made it to the FLW tour and I, you know, I still, as the old saying goes, I never forgot where I came from. And, and a lot of times when I would be on Best of Cut in an FLW event, if I was close enough where I could make it home and we had a club tournament on Saturday, I'd come straight in and go to a club tournament. And, you know, uh, when I was home and they had those little Tuesday night jackpot or fruit jar tournaments or Thursday night or whatever, when I was home, I was always getting in those. And I enjoyed them, you know, even though, uh, I, you know, I would be competing for far less money. I still loved it. And I can remember guys coming up to me and they were like, well, you know, man, I, I, I sure wish I could do like you and fish at that level. And I would always look at them and I'd say, well, why can't you? And they would say, well, and they would come up with this reason or that reason. And I said, well, you know, I was locked in the same boat. But I said, you know, I had the faith and I believed and I never gave up on it. And I said, you know, what I really appreciate now is on the tour you know the, the guys that i compete against the best in the world you know none of them look at me and say oh man you know i feel sorry for you you've got a half arm you know let me give you this trophy you know we all respect each other and we're all brothers but you know from the time we take off to the time we weigh in you know i appreciate the fact that they look at me like buddy we love you but you're going to earn it because just like with them, yeah you know, we ain't I, giving I, you I, nothing you know right i just like with them i would never accepted if they try to do that you know i, I want to fair and square you know earn it and uh, be you know and let them hand it off to me when i've earned it and 
And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people, honestly, in this world, the reason why they, you know, honestly back down and don't pursue professional angling, I think it's some people have egos, and it's an ego of, uh, if I think I'm right there get somebody better than me, then I don't want to be beat. And, you know, I'm just the opposite, man. I want to be at the best. I want to be fishing against the best of the best because when you compete against the best, when you don't even realize it, you know, it elevates your game, it elevates your skill, and, you know, it makes you a better man competing against people, you know, better than you are. Yeah, there ain't no doubt about that, man. And and I saw that throughout my life, and, and you know, I look back on my baseball, and I'm fortunate to go and play at Auburn, play junior college before that. But it's like you said, you play up to the level and, and being surrounded by people that are, are really good and the best, you know, it elevates your game. And I can look back on my life and go, okay, you know, I, I was in high school as at this level. And then I went to junior college and played against guys and there was better guys there and it elevated me to play better. And then I'm like, man, I don't know if I can make it at Auburn. And, and I got the opportunity, but I was the smallest guy in the whole SEC for sure, especially for a pitcher. And uh, everybody else around me are these huge guys throwing really hard. But you're right. When you put yourself around those people, it elevates you. And, uh, and you're better because of it. So you're dead on right there, Clay, for sure. All right, guys, let's take a few moments and hear from some of this week's sponsors outdooralabama.com. That's where I learned the basics of how to hunt and fish, including what's in season and which license to buy. Learn more at outdooralabama.com. Go hunt, go fish, get outdoors. This message was brought to you by the Alabama Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. And brought to you by Boaters List is your new reliable and fast resource designed to link everyone to everything on the water. If you own or run a boat, you know how difficult it can be to find the right company for the task at hand. Boaters List makes it easy to find the service you're looking for. Locate anything from fuel docks to service repairs or rentals of large yachts or even paddle boats and all things in between at BoatersList.com. They will always strive to make it better on the water. Also brought to you by Bucks Island. Bucks Island has been in business since 1948 for all of your new and used boat needs, as well as motor sales and services. And now they have a pro-level tackle store. Boat and motor trade-ins are welcome. Visit them online at BucksIslands.com or give them a call at 256-442-2588. Well, I know you're still fishing a lot in between your speaking where are you at right now i mean as far as this point of your career are you focusing more on uh on the fishing now or are you fishing more on the the speaking side or is it still just a good mix it's i try to make it a good mix um a lot of it uh depends on you know the schedule there's you know the the ministry is what pays the bills and um so you know it's kind of like when i have uh you know, in between tournaments, I do as many of them, you know, as I have as I can schedule. I mean, I try to, you know, I, I will schedule around. I always schedule around our tournaments when the, the schedule comes out. But, uh, you know, right now we're, uh, this year, I, I had actually had plans of doing both Bassmaster Central Opens and the Central Toyota Division. And my wife was supposed to have had surgery back in February, uh, the second week of February. And uh, lo and behold, she and I both, uh, ended up having COVID the third week of January, so they had to reschedule her surgery. And anyway, to make a long story short, um, 
I had, when we was going out, you know, I, I told her that um, I withdrew from the Central Toyotas because I wanted to make sure she was okay before I really ventured out. And, you know, she was giving me her blessing, honey, go, I'm going to be fine. But uh, the first Toyota event was like three weeks after her surgery. And even though it was close to home at Gunnersville, I just wanted to make sure that she was good. And uh, so I stayed in the Bassmaster Central Open because they started later. And that's what we're doing this year. And, uh, you know, next year I'm, I'm looking with the changes Bass made to the Opens. Um, I'm looking at doing, you know, either all nine Opens uh, and trying to qualify for the Elite. And um, I also kind of heard through the grapevines the other day um, that, ba- that Bass was looking at adding another tour that hasn't been released yet publicly. Um, that kind of, and I, I may get slapped on the wrist for, for revealing this, but I won't say who told me and I won't say everything that I heard. There you go. I basically heard that it was like a, a tour in between the Opens and the Elites. And uh, that would be really neat to see that. And, uh, you know, that might be something that when that comes out, depending on, depending on how that sets up, you know, that might be what I look at, you know, uh, but I ultimately, of course, want to be on the elite. Um, I've got a stepson, Brandon Lester, that he's actually in South Dakota right now at that lead up there. And he got his first elite win, you know, this past June after being on, on this is night season on the elite. So we're, we're a fishing family, man. And, uh, but and you said he's your step stepson? Yes, sir. My stepson. Yes, sir. I didn't realize that, man. What a great guy he is. We had him on the show after he won uh, the Elite Series, and I've had him on a couple times, and he is he is an awesome guy. I, I'm loving seeing his success. Well, thank you, man. We uh, I thank the world of him. You know, he, um, him and his sister have a uh, wonderful dad, and uh, me and their dad are actually really good friends, and uh, we have no tension between us. And, you know, I told both the kids uh, when I married their mother, I said, look, you know, your daddy's a wonderful daddy. I'm never going to try to get in between y'all. I'm going to be for y'all what y'all want me to be. And, uh, you know, it's it's really been a blessing. Uh, Brandon and I, you know, a lot of people think we get to fish together all the time. But, you know, between my schedule and his elite schedule, um, we honestly, we do really good to get to fish together five or six times a year. But, you know, if we're when we're home and it's where I can, he can. You know, he and I slip off and we, we go out, you know, whether it's testing new equipment or just going fishing, trying to jerk on as many of as we can. You know, we're, we're out there having a good time, trying to get better and trying to improve ourselves. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Hey, I, I imagine y'all compete against each other a little bit out there, too, and probably enjoy that. Well, we, we do. You know, we uh, on the Open, uh, every year except for this year, we've been on the same division and, uh, we always, when we're in the same division, you know, we room together and we share information together and, you know, try to put our heads together in practice and uh, figure it out quicker. And, and, uh, oh, like he'll tell you, he says, you know, we're always trying to help each other. And during the day, you know, hey, on tournament days, I don't cut him any slack and he don't cut me any slack. At the, at the end of the day, we're grilling and having dinner together and, you know, we're family, but at takeoff, he'll look at me and he'll say, all right, Hammer, I'm coming after you. And I'll say, well, good, I'm coming after I'm you. coming today. after you. <laughs> Ain't right. Ain't right. We we want to we're gonna we're gonna compete. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's great, man. Well tell me a little bit about your ministry. Now let's talk about that side of it just a minute and what you're doing. You know, we're just uh like always, uh since I've started it, you know, God just led me in this direction and we've been very blessed that uh you know, word of mouth but we go around to um 
you know, an average of 70 to 90 events a year um, is what our average is per year. The churches, the schools, the corporations, you know, would do anything from like outdoor expos where I share my testimony to, you know, and talk a little bit about fishing and, of course, promoting the sponsors. And just like this week, you know, I actually went up and spoke to a company in West Virginia called um, Alligating Wood Products. They're a huge uh, wood products company that goes all over the world and, uh, was able to speak to their sales team and, and a lot of their um, environmentalists this morning on leadership and, you know, trying to influence and impact people in the right way. And But, you know, it's uh, anybody, anybody calls or emails, you know, we work out a date and we go. And, uh, uh, you know, thankfully, we're, me and my wife are blessed to stay very busy doing that and we wouldn't have it any other way. Man, that's awesome, man. Hats off to you for that. Yeah, you're giving back the right kind of way, Clay, and uh, it's, it's appreciated. Well, thank for you. For sure. So I know that you were sharing with me, you, you're gone a lot lately and, and not getting to fish around around home a whole lot, but you, you did say you got to go to Gunnersville the other day. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. I, we slipped yep. off down there, and uh, I'm actually going to be going down there this Saturday, carrying a young man that's a high school fisherman. Uh, his dad is actually, uh, or his family, his mom and dad, are actually, uh, they're, they're going to uh, be purchasing my, my Skeeter tour boat that I currently run uh, for to have him a boat for high school and college. And uh, we're kind of doing that as a surprise. Um, I told his daddy I'd be glad to take him fishing. And so his daddy reached out to me, and uh, we're going to, he's bringing him up. I think he, he, the, the, the young man just thinks him and his dad are going to Garnerville this weekend because they're bringing uh, a boat they have borrowed and uh, it's sold theirs. And uh, so I'm going to take him out, him to that out in mine and uh, Saturday and then see if we can lean on a few and uh, just have a good time with a young man and try to help him and, you know, show him the boat he'll be getting there in a few months. And, uh, but yeah, we've been, uh, man, it's been, Garnerville's been on fire a lot like the, you know, the Tennessee River in general. It's real healthy right now. It's, of course, the ledge bite. You know, it has been really good. I mean, it gets the tar beat out of it during this time of year, and it's a lot harder yep. right now to find the mega schools that you'll see, you know, sat up earlier in the summer. The thing in Tennessee River, man, it's just healthy. It's thriving, and it's, you know, it's one of those few river systems that even when the water, you know, like on Gonderville, there's so much vegetation that the water's so clear, but yet it provides, you know, habitat and security for the bass, and you know, even if the water temperature is way up there, you know, like it is right now in the, in the high 80s to low 90s, because the Tennessee River is so fertile, you know, you can catch fish literally from six inches deep to, to 30 foot. And, uh, you know, you don't ever know up there, you know, one swing of the rod can be a 10 or 12 pounder. And, you know, that's what keeps me going back to the Tennessee River and thanking God I can call it home. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> well, and, and, and you, you said the same thing that I've heard uh, from several other callers lately is, is is that, you know, the ledge bite is still there. But, you know, the days of or, or being able to go out there and find those mega schools, I mean, those those ledges are just getting beat up and pounded so much. So many people out there fishing, which is a great thing. Yeah. You know, there's probably more people fishing right now than there ever has been. Absolutely. And man, that's awesome, but it has changed the ledge bite a little bit and, and pushed, you know, and, and, and pushed the fish in different locations and, uh, Hey man, those fish, they like a deer, you pressure them too hard and they'll, they'll go do something different for a little while. And well, it sounds like the grass bites, like you said, man, six inches, 
six foot, 16 foot. They're, you can still catch them. You know, you can, man. Ed. And what you said is spot on. You know, I am no fisheries biologist by any stretch of the imagination, but I know when I watch a fish react to my bait, you can tell that, and granted, I am glad the number of people that are fishing. You know, it really helps the fishing industry, which helps me. But, you know, you can tell when the fish are really pressured because of the way they react to your bait. And um, uh, the other day when I told you me and my dad went, my dad, you know, I got tickled because my dad is old school. And, you know, and uh, before I moved out of Hamilton, I didn't have all of the forward facing sonar. And uh, we had side scan and it just had came out, but we didn't have all the forward facing sonar and, you know, the Hummingbird 360 and that stuff. And I was showing my dad that stuff and he was just in awe. You know, he was just like, wow. Talking about, you know, the fish moving off, they will, man. You know, they're like they're like dogs, you know, or deer. You know, you, you whip on an old dog or beat on an old dog enough, and that dog's going to cower down and kind of hide. And uh, the other day, yep. uh, you know, it's one thing. Um, I went to several community places that I know are very famous, very uh, well-known, and I graphed a lot. And, uh, you know, you would see a fish here and there or maybe a, a group of two or three here and there. But, um, you know, you, you didn't see the mega schools, so I started checking, you know, a lot of times on those community places, when the fish started getting pressure, they will slide, you know, 100 or so or 200 yards or wherever. They will slide up or down an area or a ledge, maybe to a little spot that's, you know, not as, you know, a smaller that not a lot of people found because they, they, they feel that vibration off the baits and, you know, off the boats and all that. And uh, so I started graphing, you know, um, I'm blessed to have quite a few areas that are places that are, you know, like places you hear about one cast spots or places that are like the size of the front deck of the boat or the back deck. And I started graphing a lot of those, you know, where I know, say, there's two stumps or one rock or something that's isolated that I found over the years, taking a lot of those out of the way places. And I was really surprised that even on those places, you know, I never did the, the most I saw on any of them were like two or three fish and which to say a credit to that and a benefit to that um in my experience on the tennessee river a lot of times if you see those those little two or three fish group schools don't overlook them you know uh those are the type a lot of times when it's two or three big ones down there i had to learn that the hard way you know i had times where i thought well it's not a mega school i'm not gonna fish those and then one time I kept looking, I was like, man, all I'm finding is these two or three, two or three or four or five fish schools. So I set up on one of them, and uh, like the third or fourth cast I made, the first swing in a row, I was like a six pounder. And I was like, uh huh. And so a lot of times this time of year, when I see those two or three fish schools, as long as they're set up, you know, right to where I think they're ready to, or they're trying to feed or they're ready to feed, you know, man, I won't think nothing about, you know, stopping and making a dozen or two dozen casts on them and then if i don't catch one you know i'll move on but i you know if i see them set up right man i'm gonna throw something at them well what's speaking of throwing at them you know this time of year here we are water temperature is way up there but you know it is uh, have had a little cooler last few days but you know what are some of your go-to baits right now this time of year what do you like to fish man i'll tell you you know i'm like anybody else buddy uh, when i go out there looking at doing that um, I, you're liable to see, uh, my, 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 one of my, one of my best friends that calls me uh 20, 20 rod Todd, because I keep like, <laughs> I'll have like 20 rods out. Uh, when dad and I went to the day, I had like 10 strapped on the front deck and I had five or uh, four spinning rods laid back there by the passenger seat. 
But uh, you know, just your lead staples. You know, it's um, it's it's the big worms. Uh, you know, a buckeye football jig. Uh, one of the things I really that I that I that I find very consistent. Um, and, and a lot of it, when I look at how a fish is positioned, um, a lot of it that dictates what I throw is what's down there. Like if it's if I know there's grass around it, you know, I won't come there throwing a big crankbait, you know, where to get down into the grass and get hung unless they seem to be wanting to react. And I'll jerk that, you know, jerk that crankbait out of that grass just like you would, you know, a bladed jig or a trap in the springtime. And, uh, but most of the time I, I let what's on the bottom, like if it's a shell bar, you know, or, but it, or something like that, I'm liable to throw about anything. But what I like to do is if the current is really ripping and it's pretty strong, then most of the time they're going to be pretty aggressive. So I will usually always start out with like a, um, you know, with a, like the pro, uh, double deep little John, the 60 or the 90. Or, um, you know, I will throw like a, uh, the Buckeye, I throw a big Buckeye swim bait head with like that, uh, five inch zoom swimmer or the 3.8, you know, depending on the size. If I'm seeing a bunch of big gizzards head, I throw the big swim bait. If not, I'll throw like a 3.8. But outside of that, you know, I'll, of course, I'll throw a big flutter spoon some. But, um, a lot of times I'll throw that. And if I feel, actually feel my crankbait or my swim bait, Sometimes I can actually feel it like bumping into the fish, but I'm not biting it. And if they're, you know, if they're real dormant, you know, I'll throw, um, I'll usually throw like the big Buckeye Magnum uh, shaky head with either a Zoom Magnum trick worm or like the old monster on it. Or, um, you know, I'll drop a drop shot down to them or, you know, so, or like a Nico rig. But I'll, I'll throw, I'll keep a buffet tied on. And it's just kind of a hard thing, man. It's a lot of times you just kind of, you know, you, you, I'll turn my live scope down there and I'll see how they react. And if I throw, you know, three or four casts and they don't react, they don't bite, you know, I won't waste time. I'll throw that rod down and pick up something else. And then if they don't bite that, you know, I'll keep rotating through. And, uh, a lot of times, you know, I'll kind of reposition my boat a little bit, but, um, I'll just keep throwing those until I kind of hit on a combination. And, you know, sometimes it, it seems like your fish have really been beat on. That a lot of times, you know, instead of throwing a loud crankbait, you can bomb that big swim, uh, you know, big swim bait or that big shaky head down there and, you know, throw something real subtle. And once you get a bite or two, it'll kind of fire them up a little bit and you can catch them on something, you know, fast and moving. But it's it's really a feel thing. And in time, you know, I'll keep rotating through stuff all day long and and never will get the combination right. But, but uh, you know, they're, they're real fickle and, fin- you know, finicky sometimes and, and uh, but a lot of times if you can know the generation schedule and you can be on those spots right when the water starts pulling, you know, that when the dinner bell comes on, a lot of times those fish are not real uh, picky. Whatever you throw down there, a lot of times they get in front of them, they'll bite it. Man, that's good stuff, man. That, that, that's, that's good information, Clay. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're well, welcome. I lied to you, Clay, because I told you I was going to keep you on here about 10 to 15 minutes at the most today. <laughs> hey. I think I, I think I've doubled that. Hey, don't feel bad, man. We we got about four hours of riding, so we're good, brother. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good stuff, man. Well, man, good luck to you, uh, and and thank you for for what you do for the bass community. Thank you what you do for for God and 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 faith and and spreading spreading that word and and telling your story. 
and if somebody, Clay, if somebody wants to contact you, maybe they've got an event coming up. Maybe they got a, a group of youth that they want to inspire, get you to come to their church and talk. What's the best way for them to contact you? They can do one of two, well, one of three things, actually. You can either, uh, you know, go straight on my website, and uh, that's clay-dyer.com. Um, you go on there, and there's a way when you say, like, uh, when you request a date, um, you fill out a form, an electronic form, and it actually comes straight to, to me and my wife's email, um, which is Clay Dyer, and Dyer is D-Y-E-R, but it's claydyerfishing at gmail.com, or also, you know, they they feel free to reach out to me directly, you know, on my cell number, which is, you know, my ministry number, my, my full-time number. And, uh, you know, I, I'll be glad, you know, to, to give that out as well. And, but, you know, one of those three ways, and, and also you can reach out, you know, via social media. Um, I have a athlete page on Facebook that we get, you know, a lot of requests from, and it's just Clay Dyer. Um, my wife and I's personal page is uh, this Kim Clay Dyer, her first name, my first name, and our last name. And, uh, you know, so a lot of people reach out through that as well. So it's, there's, you know, we try to make it, you know, pretty easy to get in contact with us. And, uh, you know, if somebody wants to reach out on those different platforms, they, you know, we, we check those messages daily and, you know, we, we return them, uh, you know, as soon as we can. Sometimes it's a couple of days, you know, depending on our travel schedule, but we try to get back with everybody, you know, as soon as we possibly can. Good stuff, man. Well, Thank you again for your time, Clay, and and uh, look forward to having you back on again soon, brother. We'll we'll we won't wait so long this time to get you on again. <laughs> hey. And uh, what a great what a great guest, man! Thank you for being on here with us. Hey, thank you, bud. And uh, anytime, man, you let me know uh, just like you did last time. You let me know when you know when you'd like to film, man. We'll make, we'll make time and uh, we'll make it happen. And uh, man, God bless you. Thank you for your time today, and I look forward to doing it again. Well, we look forward to it too, man. And we'll let your wife will be in our prayers. I know she's got a surgery coming up, so uh, she'll definitely be in our prayers. Best of luck to you on that. I'm sure it'll go great. And uh, be safe on the road, man. Keep spreading the word. Sounds great, man. Thank you so much. And uh, y'all have a blessed evening, buddy. All right, buddy. You too. Stay safe. See you later. Bye-bye. All right, guys. Great segment. Let's take a few moments and hear from some of this week's sponsors. Today, we're going to profile another common form of dock dysfunction, dirty dock have you ever cleaned up a nice mess of fish and then washed your wife's face in disgust when she sees your dirty dock as a result it happens to all of us who are cleaning fish on old wooden fish cleaning tables that don't slope toward the water you need dock enhancement killer dock fish cleaning stations are marine grade aluminum coated with a ceramic finish that makes cleaning your dirty dock a cinch the scales and slime drain directly into the water through legs or through the slots you choose the style check out the best fish cleaning stations known to mankind at killerdock.com also brought to you by the Alabama Marine Resources Division. The Alabama Marine Resources Division would like to remind all recreational anglers who have harvested red snapper, gray trigger fish, or greater amberjack to report their catch through the snapper check program. Reporting is mandatory and must be done prior to landing fish in Alabama, regardless of where the fish were caught. Anglers must report their harvest online at outdooralabama.com or through the official Outdoor Alabama app. For more information about Snapper Check or any of the 2022 fishing seasons, please visit outdoorsalabama.com. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. 
Hey, that first segment, it wasn't a letdown, right? I mean, Clay is pulled in a lot of different directions, so we're, we're grateful that he took the time to, to jump on the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report with us and, and spend some time and gave us a whole lot of it. So hats off to that guy and what he's done, not just with his life, but with his career. He could have made the decision to go a different direction from that, but uh, but he didn't, man. Like he said, he put his put his nose to the grindstone and got it done, and and uh, man, love what that guy's about. Anyway, hey, let's get to segment number two. Another one of my favorite guests, Mr. Jake Maddox. What's going on, Jake? What's going on, Brian? How are you? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Just talking about fishing. You know what I do? I just talk about yeah, fishing. I don't get to go enough, but I get to talk about it a lot. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, what's to change that? I've been begging, man. I mean, I'm just going to have to ambush you or something and just be sitting at the boat landing and jump in your boat when, you, when you're back in or something. Yeah, so I think uh, my last one's in the middle of October, so after that I'll be completely free. So, so yeah. Well, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll get out of that tree stand and go with you. Yeah, it might cool down a little bit, too. The fish might be biting a little better then. <laughs> no kidding, man. Well, what are the fish doing? What You what? You know, it uh, depends on, on the fishery that you're on. You know, you got the Coosa River. Um, you got Lake Martin. You got several options in, in uh, Alabama. But right now, you know, I say that we haven't had a lot of rain. This week, we, you know, we were surprised by, you know, a good bit of rain, actually. And that really got the... The system flowing a little bit more than it normally is this time of year, but going in the fall, it's usually pretty dry. So the fish, you know, usually don't have as much current to use to feed. So a lot of times that feeding window gets a lot smaller. So one of the things I've been doing on, on like Lake Martin and some of the Coos River lakes is, is going down, getting out in the middle of the lake and just idling around. But rather than using my like, I'm still using my side imaging and stuff, but I'm actually using my 2D sonar a lot more. You know, a lot of people, you know, 2D is something of the past, but it's not. Uh, I'm actually using my 2D sonar to find bait balls that, is, that are suspended out in the middle of the lake. I'm checking long points. I'm checking, um, you know, in between islands and saddles, um, basically where the uh, thermocline is in the bait fish and the predatory fish are sitting right above that thermocline. Uh, once I find, you know, an area full of bait, I put the troll motor down and use the forward facing sonar and pick them off with several, you know, several different baits. And then of course, got a, got all the top water this time of year. Um, I was fortunate enough. I had one day and I went to Lay Lake recently this past week. And, uh, it was one of those days I was talking about with one of the days it rained. So they're actually generating current. And I went up to the upper end of Lay Lake, uh, and I lost one of the biggest spotted bass I've ever, actually ever seen. So fishing is, is, I was surprised, it's actually pretty good being back. I've been on the road for a while, so glad to be back. Boat's in the shop now, so I only got that one little day to go out there, but I'm wishing I was out there. Hey, man, that's encouraging because, you know, the 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 last several weeks, man, or, or month or so, it, it, you know, the Coosa Report, you know, and, and we say on the we say on our podcast, this is, we want to hear the real report, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, and unfortunately, it's been kind of ugly on the coast lately, uh, yeah. for whatever reason. So, man, that's encouraging that, that you, you had a good trip this week and, and caught some fish and sounds like some good fish, but so the, the way that you're doing this and, 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 and Lake Martin, you, you know, how, how, with your 2d sonar, how far out from the boat are you looking? 
or can you look with that? So 2D is like a pretty narrow cone that goes directly from the bottom of my hole. I've, I'm actually getting one in, uh, installed right now, but it's um, an in-hole transducer. And basically that in-hole transducer is in the bottom of your boat. And I can, you know, kind of play with my settings a little bit, um, turn my, my chart speed up really high uh, and my sensitivity up high. So what that does is the chart speed going up, it continuously processes new information faster. So what I'm able to do is I'm able to, it's only picking up a small narrow thing basically what's underneath the boat. But what I'm able to do with the high chart speed is I'm able to scan about 30 miles an hour and put the boat up on. So I'm able to cover much more water. And once I see that bait kind of around, that's when I'll, you know, get off pad, start idling like normal and using my side imaging. And I usually scan out to about a hundred feet. So you're literally looking for fish running 30 miles an hour? Yeah. So I'm using my in-hole transducer. I'm at, I had one on my last boat and then my new boat didn't have it. And I'm getting it installed right now, actually, um, up at Sea Clear Power in North Alabama. But yeah, you can you can do that. It's a little, it's a little kind of a sneaky deal. You can, you know, you can look for the bait that way, but you can also do a lot of things. Like when I first figured that out, I was actually one of those deals where I was down in Florida and I was looking for like uh isolated grass patches so florida's all grass but there are certain sections where there may not be as much grass and if you can find that grass that's you know alone isolated stuff out in the middle of nowhere that's the that's the key stuff so i used that and kind of brought it back over to some of our lakes but rather than looking for grass i'm actually looking for you know pods of bait fish and the pods of bait fish you they just show i mean you just see little blip like a, a little blip if i see you know a couple little blips i'll you know turn the boat around and i'll start idling that kind of stuff and just kind of looking um because it's this is the time of year too you don't get a lot of current so rather than being may or june on the Cooster tennessee river like they're not going to be grouped up the way they are you know early summer right now there's not that much current the feeding windows are small a lot of them feed at night that sort of deal so the best thing to do is kind of run a lot of water bounce shallow to deep but this time of year you have something called thermocline uh, i know a lot of our viewers like probably officially like martin have noticed like a lot of dead striped bass and a lot of dead you know bait fish floating on the surface like some of these deep clear lakes mm -hmm. what that is is the fish sit below the thermocline the majority of the year so fish are using that 60 to you know call it you know 40 to 70 foot zone of the water column well in late summer when you don't have you know that current flow you don't have the oxygen flow that deep water is depleted of oxygen so it pushes a lot of that bait fish up towards the surface and what is known as kind of thermocline so they'll sit right. above that thermocline. so like at lake martin sometimes the thermocline might be in 25 feet of water so you can go out in the middle of the lake and see fish on no sort of structure just kind of sitting out there in 25 feet of water just suspended those are kind of hard to catch but if you get around cover maybe it be a brush pile or something that gives those fish an ambush point and just makes it a little easier to catch in that way and you mentioned the bait fish dying off you're seeing some striped bass dying which is unfortunate but why are they i mean are they just trying to stay below are they below yeah. that thermocline and there's no oxygen? And if that's the case, then why don't they just come up above it? That's a stupid question. Yeah, it's, 
it's one of those things it's kind of like a survival of the fittest things you know like there's always going to be fish that survive some of them die off and you know especially a lot of times too like if you hook a striped bass this time of year you know a lot of the times they do die just because they're there's not a whole lot of oxygen in the water. That's why it's so hard to keep fish alive this time of year. Even, you know, even shallow fish sometimes it's so hard to keep them alive in a, in a tournament. So that, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where it's, it is just kind of hard on the fish this time of year, just exerting a lot of energy. You know, um, you hear like hot water, you know, fish's metabolism is like up high, you know, they're going to be feeding, moving a lot, but um, that's what we've always heard and read in the back textbooks. But like, I feel like, you know, late summer like this is almost, equivalent to like almost a winter time where they where it's so hot they really don't want to exert that much energy into you know feeding so they the feeding windows are very small well and we talked about the thermocline a lot on here with with our our management minute segment with norman with southeastern pond management and usually i guess we think of thermocline or, or i do more maybe in lakes and ponds i mean it's so much the thermocline, I mean, sometimes it may not be five feet deep, yeah, you know, in yeah. some of those lakes. And But that's what, no matter where you find the thermocline, you know, that's what Norman has, has always said in here is, look, the oxygen level below that thermocline is not sufficient for those fish. And so when you have a thermocline, it really is a good thing for fishing a lot of times. It can be because it narrows down where those fish can actually be and, and, and reduces the amount of water they can actually survive in. So if you're, if they're in that top, you know, 25, if the thermocline's at 25 foot uh, and, or, or if it's at 15 foot, there's really no need to fish below that because the fish ain't going to be there. The bait's not going to be there. Exactly. So it eliminates a lot of water. And like, I don't know if you remember like a couple of years back, um, Lake Martin got really, really good for, um, like probably three or four summers, but um, it really kind of showed, and a lot of people like kind of found out about it. Everyone was kind of keep it, keeping it secret. Uh, I remember my senior year of high school; it was like insanely good. But basically, you know, herring got in that lake, and the fish got really big, and they stayed deep. And what happened was, is those fish ended up. You know, you got the the average fisherman who's not gonna fish all that deep, or you know, a couple years ago you know, the advancement of how good, like, everyone is is insane now. They're willing to fish, you know, with the fish finders and everything, they're, they're willing to fish out in deeper depths than they normally felt comfortable with. But you had guys that would fish, you know, Lake Martin all their life, and they've always caught fish no deeper than 25 feet of water. Well, they were fishing that same depth zone, those same brush piles that they sink themselves all year long, and, you know, maybe catching the 12 to 13 pounds, maybe a good day they caught 14 pounds average weight but then all of a sudden when that thermocline switch and all those big fish big spotted bass came from the depths up to the zone where everyone was fishing that's when those really big bags got caught at lake martin for several summers in a row especially um i remember there's one summer when they had an ogs tournament and 17 pounds didn't get a check on lake martin and that is insane that's um, crazy yeah yeah September. It, it's not that way anymore. We've had a lot of herring die off, hoping that we can get some good herring spawns here in the next couple of years. But but that's how it is. It, it's those fish just ended up moving to those depths that the fishermen were actually fishing in, and that's why everyone smashed them across the board. Not just a couple of guys. You'd have a couple of guys here and there that kind of knew what was going on, 
and you know kept it to themselves and they would come in with big stringers of spotted bass people were like you know those guys are cheaters they came from lake jordan or something you know but no yeah, they, no way they came from mark <laughs> they lived there they just they just didn't know and it's just so hard to connect with those fish when they're living that deep and they've got so much open water to roam in but you know now everyone's getting a lot better in their fish finders you know everyone's investing in that kind of stuff so oh yeah but even if you don't, there's still ways to catch them this time of year. You know, like we talked about last time, you know, running the backs of those creeks where there's colder water, um, running up the rivers when they're generating current through the dams, that sort of thing. So that's the kind of stuff I look for if you're not using that kind of stuff. And, and um, you know, there's always ways to catch them, and there's always better ways to catch them than, than just well, one way. That 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 2D, that 2D sonar deal you were talking about, man, that's uh... – that's pretty cool. That's a pretty little, that's a great bit of, that's a great tidbit right there for sure. And something that most people probably don't think about or have never tried, you know, we're all used to side imaging now and, and, and live scope. And, uh, I'm sure you could probably still utilize your same, you know, your side imaging. Do, do, can you use your side imaging? To, does it do a good job at finding bait fish? Uh, not that great. I mean, I can see yeah. if it's on the boat. Yeah. Maybe I can see something up to the side, you know, I can see them on it, but I, I really rely on that 2d for, for when I'm looking directly for bait fish. Um, and this is the time of year I really use it probably the most is, is when they're really on that bait all, all the way now until like, you know, December or like, you know, when they're really feeding on, on bait fish, you know, it doesn't really get that, that cold down here. So there's our fall pretty much extends until spring almost. That's um, right. That's right. You know, so well, they're all they're always feeding in the wintertime. That's why the biggest bags usually come come that time of year. It's big spots, it's big largemouth that are just feeding, getting ready to spawn. Well, let's talk about man. I know that you've got some new uh, you got some new baits that you that you're introducing yeah. right now. Let's talk about those, yeah. man. I, I saw some of them on on your Facebook page, and uh, looks like you got some exciting stuff coming out. Yeah, so, you know, fall, we've been talking about bait fish, and, you know, not, one of the best baits in the fall is a spinner bait, and, you know, that's hands down across the board. It's kind of a old-school deal, but, you know, whatever's old-school becomes new-school again and starts winning tournaments. You've seen that on the Bassmaster Elite Series. You've seen that on the NLF stage, um, but a spinner bait is hands down one of, the, one of the best baits for targeting that, you know, in that fall time period. And um, I'm, you know, happy to announce that Shimano is coming out with a new spinnerbait called the Swagey Strong. It's actually, um, it comes in two different sizes, a three-eighths and a half ounce. Um, but the very, the most unique thing about this bait is it's got a tapered wire. So coming out of the head to the line tie, it is a one millimeter wire diameter. And then from that line tie, it goes to a 0.9 millimeter so what that does, it gives the bait a little bit of an offset and it allows the bait to kind of have a micro rolling action, which is really cool. The blades on the bait are flattened blades rather than like a cup blade or a big, instead of like a big, you know, night blade, these are flat burner, burner style blades. So got hand tied skirt, flat burner blades, and it's got that uh, tapered wire design. So it allows me to burn the bait really fast. That's what I love. How I love to fish spinnerbait is just reel it as fast as I can um, around points, around rock piles, edge of grass, that kind of stuff. Anywhere where bait fish are present, I've even caught them like on um, Lake Hartwell before, where they're eating herring on those cane piles, throwing a spinnerbait out there and just burning it on top of the surface, where the blades are almost coming out of the water. But you know, it's going to be a great bait. I think we have 
six or seven different colors, hand tied skirt, thin wire um, hook, and a nice wire keeper. So it's going to be an absolute killer this time of year. Very good, man. And they ain't nothing more, a whole lot more funner than a spinnerbait fish bite anyway. And so yeah, uh, for sure. I'm going to have to get some of those and try them for sure. But when you're, when you're talking about burning and, and you you know, you mentioned, you know, basically reeling it about as fast as you can in the fall, when that spinnerbait bite is on, can, can you fish it too fast? No, I don't think you so. Just I burn mean, that sucker. Yeah, I burn it. Like, I mean, there's times like that. this year at like Cherokee, it was a pre-spawn tournament and I caught them slow rolling a spinnerbait and that was a completely different deal. They were just staging on stuff. But in the fall when they're on bait, I want to make those jokers react. So, um, I feel like speed kills. I think that, you know, that's straight on, you know, even like a spinnerbait or uh, excuse me, a square bill crankbait, you know, all the way through 10 XD. I think speed kills. Um, a lot of the time, I think that's what really triggers big fish into biting. I, I think a lot of the times is, is speed. You look at like, you know, Rick Klun, he's, you know, he dominated before I even was alive and he preached on burning square bills, burning stuff and just making it deflect off cover. And that's kind of like what I've, what I've done, like the way I like to fish is I like to, is I like to move fast and, and you can't, I mean, I throw mine on an eight to one reel this time of year. And I'm burning it as fast as I can most of the time. And I'm also imparting a lot of action with my rods, too. I'll do, give it snaps, let it fall, or I burn it real fast by a piece of cover and then, like, kill it and let the blades fall down by a piece of wood. Um, that's pretty cool when, you know, they eat it that way. But, but yeah, I'm just, just trying to get them to – get the bait to do something a little bit different that, you know, the average, you know, guy going down the bank on a spinnerbait might just be wandering around, you know, slow rolling and stuff. I like to – give mine some switches and you know speed it up slow it down that kind of thing and just give it extra action when do you like where like with a fall bite you know and, and it is cooling off in the day now a little bit and we know it it's is, right yeah. around the corner but kind of where do you where does that water temperature need to kind of get to when you really pick that spinner bait up and go to and, and go to hitting it hard it's it's probably not a water temperature thing. It's more like a if if the bait if the fish are doing fall things is because I, I mean I've caught them really well on like my home lakes like Martin going to the backs of these like you know way back to these creeks and there might be a lot of bait fish in the backs of these creeks because that's where the cool water's at and right. you know it may be cooler than the main lake and you know I catch them on a jerk bait I catch them on a spinner bait you know same way just imparting that fast action. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, I've been used. Yeah. That's, uh, probably not a water temperature thing. Just, just noticing what's going on under the water, like where the bait fish are, where everything is. And this time of year, you know, there is a brim bite still, there might be a couple of fish still on brim beds, but the majority of the fish that I'm looking for are going to be shad eaters. And I'm going to look for the bait, you know, it could be the best looking area I've ever seen, but if there's no bait, there's no bass this time right. of year. So. And it's going to be more it cools off, the stronger that bite's going to get and the bigger the fish that you're going to start catching. Because it seems like kind of late summer, you may catch a big one mixed in with some small ones. But then, you know, in the fall, that's when you have those 30 fish days instead of, you know, like right now, it's, it's tough out, you know, like, like it's tough. Like the other day I went and I only had like five bites. So it was tough, tough fishing, you know, but like, you know, later in, the fall it'll start picking up and especially when the water starts cooling down but yeah no doubt about that start will be kind of like now yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, what, and you got, you got, did you have one more bait as well that you had coming out or was mainly just. Yeah. So we've got a, so we did come out with some square bills this year. Also that came out the classic. Um, we got six different models. That's a big deal for the, for the fall also. But one of the cool things we came out is, you know, I love to throw a big bait, a big glide bait, a big, you know, big swim bait. Shimano just came out with a new bait called the Arma Joint. The problem with big baits, the biggest problem you run into is when you throw the bait, they're so big that they want to catch the wind and they want to do something called helicoptering. Basically, the bait just spins in the middle of the air and it's hard to make an accurate cast with such a heavy bait, you know, a two or three or four, even, you know, I've thrown some like almost, you know, eight ounce baits sometimes and they're just hard to throw. But this bait, it's, we call it Arma Joint Technology. Basically, the bait will fold completely in half. That way, it makes the bait smaller, and it comes through the air much more aerodynamically, and it makes it easier to cast. So that way, you can you know, actually make an accurate cast underneath a dock, underneath a lay down, by a dock post, and actually put the bait where the fish actually live. And that's huge when it comes to glide bait fishing, you know. You got to put it, you know, where the fish live, just like a square bill. You know, you get, can't be afraid to get the square bill hung up when you're yeah. fishing the flex. Same way with the spinner bait. Same way with the with the, with the glide bait. So that's a really cool deal. Once it hits the water, it straightens completely out, and then it has a nice S swimming action. And it's got a last tech tail, and it it's only seven inches, which six and a half seven inches, which is really not that big in the swim bait world. So you can even throw it on your flipping stick if you don't have a specific, you know, rod just for a just for a swim bait. Yeah, man, that's good stuff, man. That's exciting products coming out. So good luck to you on all those for sure, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. So hey, you've got to get a tip of the day from you, Jake. What's it gonna be? Tip of the day, I'd say look for the bait, find the, look for the bait, and look for the wind. And when you're looking for the bait, if it, the wind is blowing a certain direction. Say if it's a south wind and it's pushing into north pockets, that's where I'd check. I look for places where the wind is pushing into pockets, and that's where I'd start looking for that bait. That's good stuff, man. That's a great tip right there. Thank you for that. Hey, if somebody wants to book a trip with you on the Coosa chain or wherever else, man, I mean, you catch fish wherever you go. So what's the uh, best way for them to contact you? Yeah, BassinBrosGuideService.com. You know, I'm on the road for the Bassmaster Opens. We end in the middle of October. So after that date, I'm going to be back home and, and guiding strong and, and you know, fishing a lot around the house. So, you know, between, you know, end of October all the way till you know, middle of January, I'll, I'll have some, I'll, I'm going to be booking some trips here shortly. So, well, you save, save one of them dates for me, brother. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll be at, I'll be back here shortly. Once I get, I'll be, you'll be the first one I go with when I get back from Sam Rayburn in October. Hey man, Sam Rayburn in October, that ought to be pretty good. I hope so. I hope they, I hope they're big and dumb. Man, they, I know there's some big fish over there. I fished it a lot. There's some, uh, there's some great fish in Rayburn. That's for sure. So, uh, where you go next, man? Where's your next event? So we actually got a crazy little schedule. So next week, I've got to go to, we're having an engagement party here to, or tomorrow night. So we're getting ready for that right now. And then we got to go to the upper Chesapeake Bay, work a college event next week in South Carolina. Then I got to drive to Maryland, to fish tournament in Maryland. From Maryland, I've got to drive 
to New York to do something for the wedding thing. And then from there, I've got to drive to the Red River in Shreveport, Louisiana. And that's like a 21-hour drive, so I'm not looking forward to that. From there, got to rip it back next week to Hartwell for a tournament. And then from Hartwell, rip it back to Texas for Sam Rayburn. And then I'll be back in Chelsea, and we will go bass fishing then. Good gracious, man. You got a tight schedule. Hey, I'm going to give you one piece of advice, though. Okay. It's not a wedding thing. Don't get yourself in trouble. Yeah, you're right. Right, you're right. Don't get yourself in trouble. It's a very important, amazing, wonderful wedding ceremony that you got to go to. Yeah, that's true. That's true. (laughs) Stay out of the doghouse, brother. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. All right, Jake. Hey, man, we appreciate you, brother, as always. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Sounds good. See you, Brian. Appreciate it. All right, man. See you later. All right, bye. All right, guys, take a few more minutes and hear from some more of this week's sponsors. This week's episode is brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. Since 1989, Southeastern Pond Management has been a leader in pond and lake management services. If you own a pond or a lake anywhere in the Southeast, Southeastern Pond Management can evaluate the health of your pond and then work with you individually to put together the right plan to get what you want out of your body of water. Through electrofishing, liming, fertilizing, and weed control, Southeastern Pond Management is the one-stop shop to help you produce more healthy trophy fish than ever before. And if you're interested in building a new pond or lake, give these guys a call to help evaluate your land and design the best possible body of water for you. If you're anywhere in the Southeast, schedule an obligation-free consulting with one of their biologists by calling 1-888-830-POND or check them out on sepond.com. And also brought to you by Photonist Defense, Masters of Darkness. Photonist Defense is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. PD Pro Series is the world's smallest and lightest night vision goggles built around the Photonist 16mm filmless 4G image intensifier tubes and our hybrid filmless 18mm image intensifier tubes. These ultralight, ultra-compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo, and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. The PD Pro line consists of the PD Pro M 16mm monocular, the PD Pro B 16mm binocular, and the PD Pro Q panoramic night vision system. Photonist Defense, Masters of Darkness. All right, folks, that's going to be a wrap for this week's show. What an awesome show it was. Hey, if you're enjoying the, the podcast, please take just a minute, subscribe, rate, leave us a review wherever you'd listen. And if you'd like us to email you a show, we'll do it each and every week. All you have to do is text the word fishing to 314-665-1767, and we'll email you the show each and every week. Thank you, guys. Appreciate y'all. Y'all stay safe out there, and we'll talk to y'all again next week. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by Baker's Metalworks and Dixie Supply. Baker Metalworks and Dixie Supply manufacture a variety of metal roofing systems to meet your needs. Whether you are putting a new roof on your home or sheeting a commercial building, they have you covered. Baker Metalworks and Dixie Supply, your metal roofing headquarters. And brought to you by AFCO. Family owned and operated, AFCO fishing apparel and tackle are designed to handle the harshest elements. Visit AFCO.com for on the water performance gear. And brought to you by Hilton's Real Time Navigator. 
bringing you the highest quality online satellite fishing charts since 2004. Your source for sea temps, altimetry, currents, and watercolor at hiltonsoffshore.com. And by Fish Bites, ready to go when you are, regardless of when you're ready to go fishing. This bait stays on the hook and the fish stay on the bait. Check them out, fishbites.com. And brought to you by United Bank. United Bank supports our farmers with financial products and services designed specifically for agribusiness. United Bank is building stronger communities every day. Learn more at unitedbank.com. All loans subject to credit approval, equal housing opportunity lender, member FDIC. And by LM Marine has something for everyone from small hunting boats, pontoons, as well as bigger bay and hybrid boats for the hardcore angler. Go visit them at 34600 Highway 59 in Stapleton, Alabama, or call 251 937 1380. And brought to you by North Alabama is the place to go for your next fishing expedition. North Alabama is home to eight picturesque lakes. Each lake is well stocked with a variety of fish, and in North Alabama, fishing is great year-round. For more information, visit www.northalabama.org and click on Plan to download a North Alabama fishing guide. 